This is the FS Tech Podcast. Hello and welcome to the FS Tech Podcast. I'm Hannah McGrath, editor of FS Tech, and today we're going to take a look at whether simplifying complex data landscapes is an aspiration or a reality for financial services firms. In the last 12 months, a digital tidal wave has hit the financial services industry, leading to a corresponding surge in data volumes. And as the data landscape becomes more complex, many financial services providers are buckling under pressure to ensure that more data translates into greater value for the customer and better business decision making. But with data locked in silos across disparate business units and legacy technology often providing a further barrier, many are finding that efforts to leverage data from across the enterprise for business gains are more of an aspiration than a reality. Coupled with this, FSIs are also operating in a changing risk landscape, while pressure grows to make operations more compliant, streamlined and efficient in order to compete with the next generation of fintech challenges and meet escalating customer expectations. So to delve further into the key challenges and opportunities for FS institutions in building these new data architectures, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Joe Lichtenberg, who is Director of Product in Industry Marketing at Intersystems. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Joe. It's great to have you here today. Hello, Hannah. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. No worries. So um, without further ado, just going to jump into the questions. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about the data landscape and financial services uh, and the work Intersystems does in this space? Uh, sure. Thanks, Hannah. So our company, Intersystems, is a data management software company, and we are, our software is powering mission-critical data and analytics-intensive initiatives uh, for a wide range of companies in virtually every industry, but specifically in financial services, Uh, where we're working with most of the top global banks around the world, the largest fintechs, for example, uh, and a whole variety of mid-tier financial services firms. So we have a pretty wide and deep purview into the landscape with financial services organizations. And so for many of these companies, what we're seeing is that they are recognizing that making use of their data from across the organization and, and even from outside the organization can provide a whole slew of business benefits for them. And that's really, you know, sort of a driving initiative right now. Um, But it's not an easy problem to solve. They have so much data and the data is locked away in different systems and formats across the organizations that, you know, corralling all of that data and putting it to use is still by and large a huge challenge that requires resources, Uh, very often organizational changes, and of course, technology and architecture. Sure. So so what are you seeing in the marketplace right now in terms of the business drivers for rolling out these data and analytics technologies? Yeah, that's that's the right question. That's a really great question for all of the talk around data and technology and analytics and machine learning and so forth. um, It really only matters in terms of what the business is trying to achieve. Right? And so for us, when we work with our customers, we always want to understand the business benefits and try to quantify the, the benefit of a, a project or conversely, what it's costing our customer to not solve that problem. And so, you know, drilling into these business drivers, there are so many different kinds of projects and use cases uh, that we're seeing that are being implemented in, in financial services organizations today that all depend on integrating disparate data, 
and running various types of analytics on the data. So what I try to do is categorize all of these different use cases. And what I would do is try to categorize them into three different buckets. And the first uh, bucket or category, which is a, a really big and important one, is, is around empowering the business users in the organization with the information that they need at their fingertips to make better decisions in the moment. You know, using more data from across the enterprise uh, with lower latency, so not last month's data, not last week's data, not even yesterday's data, but with the current information that very often is locked away in legacy systems and, and silos. And so, you know, we see these applications for uh, initiatives like having a, a complete and current view of the customer for customer 360 for calculating enterprise level uh, risk and regulatory compliance and business management reporting. And so, you know, these line of business execs, you know, need that data and not just in static dashboards, but they need to be able to drill in and explore the data, ad hoc questions of the data. The second category that we see is around improving productivity within the organization. And so very often that has to do with connecting and streamlining processes that cross system boundaries and islands of automation uh, to help increase these operational efficiencies. Uh, and very often what we see is that uh, organizations are not only streamlining processes, but they're embedding analytics into those processes so that they're, they're smarter. And we're seeing a lot of that now, especially during the pandemic, as a lot of the foot traffic is decreasing and a lot of the activity with financial services organizations is shifting to online and digital. The third category that we're seeing is, it's very exciting right now. It's about uh, empowering data scientists with the data that they need to help them build AI algorithms and machine learning models to predict all sorts of you know, different potential outcomes. And they need data, lots of data for things like fraud pre prevention and, and you know, customer personalization and predicting enterprise risk levels for things like counterparty risk or for the impact of potential uh, changes in the market and market movements. So that's how I would sort of categorize what we're seeing in the, in the market right now. Sure. And you, you mentioned sort of the, the rise in digital channels and specifically in financial services. So what does this mean for data and analytics technologies um, in this industry in financial services? So, you know, Hannah, it's such an exciting time right now for technology. And, you know, I think everybody is aware that the pace of uh, technology advancement you know, both in terms of the underlying enabling technology and the applications that organizations are, are building on top of that technology. Uh, it's really exciting right now. And so some of the key challenges are being addressed. You know, one is around disparate, dealing with disparate data at scale. So, you know, there's this need to integrate and transform and harmonize more data from more sources uh, across the organization into a you know, consistent format, uh, whether that's for a single pane of glass or to feed you know, new cloud-based services uh, and so on. And this is still a really hard problem to solve, especially at scale. There's another challenge around being able to run more kinds of analytics on the data. 
And so, you know, that means a lot of things. One is uh, around retrospective analytics or understanding what happened. Uh, and, you know, so whether that's analytics SQL at scale or business intelligence and dashboards or business user self-service. And then, you know, there's a whole slew of technology and initiatives happening around predictive analytics and machine learning. And then what we're starting to see a lot of now is taking those predictive models and those machine learning models and embedding them into business processes. Some call them prescriptive analytics or operationalizing machine learning. Gartner has a term for it, they call it augmented transactions. And so that's about having event-driven uh, and transaction-driven intelligent processes where analytics is firing, is executing programmatically. And then, you know, we're also seeing a lot now in terms of line of business and business executives being able to drill into the data and ask ad hoc questions of the data without relying on IT, which very often has been a bottleneck, right? I mean, IT has a huge queue of projects that they have to get to. So if we're able to empower the line of business uh, users to be able to drill into the data and get answers to the questions that they need, you know, that's a, a huge win for the business. And then the last thing very quickly is lowering the latency. And so being able to provide access to current data to make better decisions. So again, not data that's a day old or a week old or a month old. Um, and so those are some of the key sort of challenges and areas where we're seeing a lot of innovation going on right now. Sure. And, and aren't these challenges some, something that organizations have been working to address for quite some time? Um, and if this is the case, what's changed now? What's different? You are absolutely 100% correct. And I, and I will tell you, I've been in this space for a very long time. And, you know, these problems and organizations trying to solve these problems is not new. The organizations have been dealing with exactly these kinds of, of problems for, you know, the last couple of decades or so. And I, I've been uh, working with customers and technology organizations for, uh, you know, during that time. I don't, I don't want to date myself, but absolutely it's not new. And, you know, the, a lot of different kinds of approaches. I mean, if, if you go back a decade and even a few years ago, you know, organizations were, were dealing with this with custom programming and point-to-point -point integrations that were really brittle and error-prone and didn't scale and didn't lend themselves to maintenance and, and, and making changes. You know, a long time, this sort of canonical architecture of an enterprise data warehouse and, and you know, different data marts uh, to, to serve different parts of the business sort of a canonical reference architecture. But we've seen bad implementations of data marts where different data marts have housed different data and the business will get different answers to the same question, depending on you know, what data mart and where they're going for the data. Uh, you know, more recently, data lakes, organizations have you know, taken a lot of their enterprise data and dumped them into data lakes where you know, very often you have data in inconsistent formats and there's no common semantic layer and it's hard to combine the data and use the data and ask questions of the data and analyze the data. 
Very often we hear a year or two after the data lake project has begun, organizations are, are calling them data swamps. So yeah, there's been multiple approaches over many years to addressing these problems. I, I would like to talk about, there is a new architectural approach mm -hmm. uh, that the analysts are calling an enterprise data fabric. That is very exciting. And we're seeing it uh, now being adopted across uh, you know, many financial services organizations. Um, and it's addressing many of these deficiencies of these previous, uh, previous approaches to data management. And can you tell us a bit more about this concept? Sort of, you know, how, how does it differ and what does it offer? Yes, I would, I would love to. So uh, we do a lot of work around uh, enterprise data fabrics with our customers here at InterSystems. And again, it's a new architectural approach and it provides on-demand access to these distributed enterprise uh, data assets that exist across the organizations and in silos and systems and so forth. Um, and again, it's uh, addressing many of these limitations of these prior approaches, um, since there's, there's no need to create uh, yet another data silo, right? And so by avoiding uh, creating another set of data and duplicating the data, right? That creates complexity and latency and data duplication uh, and so forth. And so being able to access the data on demand where it resides without you know, necessarily creating another copy of the data, a far superior architectural approach. And there's a tremendous amount of buzz in the industry around it right now. Forrester has an entire wave report that's similar to the Gartner Magic Quadrant. Uh, that's Forrester's version where they talk about it in detail. Uh, Gartner also, the big analyst firm, uh, recently wrote that the data fabric is the future of, of data management. Just to talk about it in a little more detail, a data fabric is not a product. You can't buy one, right? It's an architectural approach that each organization needs to, to implement. And the, and the specific details and the functionality, you know, can vary from organization to organization based on their specific infrastructure and their endpoints and their business requirements and what, what they're, they're trying to solve. And typically there's many different data management services or products or point solutions that are required in order to implement a data fabric architectural pattern. And for those that have access to Forrester's research, they list 17 different services in their most recent data fabric wave report that are typically required for an enterprise data fabric and things like data connectivity and data pipelining and data prep and data lineage and security and governance and transformation and search and, and so forth. What we have found in, in working with our customers is even those 17 are typically not sufficient. There's a, a big bucket of functionality around analytics in terms of business intelligence and machine learning and natural language processing uh, and you know, advanced analytics and business user self-service that uh, are required for a lot of these use cases. And so embedding those additional you know, analytics capabilities into the fabric itself, where the data is being accessed and integrated and transformed and harmonized on demand as it's needed, 
provides a, a tremendous amount of value to organizations. Um, so it's very exciting. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is a pattern that we're seeing with many of our customers uh, now, and they're getting you know tremendous value a- out of it. Uh, and again, going back to those three you know major business drivers that we talked about earlier, which are providing the business with access to the information that it needs on demand uh, without delay and, and latency, streamlining operations, and then empowering data scientists so that they can have access to more data and run more types of analytics on data from across the organization. Sure. And and what kind of advice do you have for organizations that want to accelerate these kinds of data and analytics related efforts um, as part of a wider business strategy? Yeah, I would say that it's a combination of top-down thinking and governance and organizational governance and structure uh, with phased bottom-up implementations that are important to the business that add measurable value. And so, you know, it's a, it's a combination of thinking big and thinking enterprise-wide, but then uh, incrementally implementing projects that add you know, measurable value to the organization. And so what we've seen where their success is doing that and starting with, you know, scopable projects that will help the business, right? Start with with use cases where the relevant data is, you know, relatively easy to access, where data silos can be bridged. If you're building machine learning models and building AI algorithms where there's enough data to be able to train, build and train the the models, uh, and again, where you have clear business goals and metrics uh, for success, and build those out uh, incrementally in the context of an overall uh, enterprise strategy, and you know, involving the CDO office and the CTO and the CIO and, and uh, high-level execs from across the enterprise. Sure. And, and what do you see as the next development? What's the next step on the horizon for data uh, and analytics in financial services, do you think? Yeah, you know, um, I would say what everything that we've just talked about and data management in general is a journey, right? I mean, it's a long journey. There's a lot of technology and processes and organizational issues that are involved with getting control of all this data inside and outside the organization. And, and, you know, I think this fundamental shift from that we've been talking about from what organizations had been doing by essentially creating additional data silos and data stores to this new on-demand approach with data fabrics uh, is really just getting started. And I expect that this will continue and gain a lot more traction. And then, you know, we're also seeing more types of analytics being implemented as part of the data fabric. So AI and machine learning, business user self-service and, and so forth. And then these endpoints are these intelligent services and microservices uh, that are being delivered, you know, will continue to be made available both inside the organization, right, to make it sort of faster and easier to, to innovate and build new business applications. Um, And as well as organizations are exposing sort of these data services and functionality services outside the organization, and they're finding, you know, all sorts of ways to create new business opportunities and revenue streams and so forth. 
So, you know, there's a lot going on. There's a tremendous amount of innovation that's happening now, financial services. It's, it's a very exciting time. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm sure we'll, um, we'll be inviting you uh, back on to, to talk about uh, the, the newest developments um, on another episode. Um, so, so if our listeners would like to find out more about InterSystems, um, where should we send them? Absolutely. Uh, please visit www.intersystems.com slash finance. Uh, and you can get access to a tremendous amount of additional information. Brilliant. Okay. Um, well, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. Um, but thank you so much, um, Joe, for taking the time to share your insights with us. Um, and as I said, I look forward to welcoming you onto another FS Tech podcast very soon. Um, and if you as listeners have any ideas for any topics for an FS Tech podcast, simply head to the FS Tech website and click contact us. Uh, that's all for today. And uh, I will see you next time. Thanks so much, Joe. Thank you so much, Hannah. It was a pleasure. You too. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the FS Tech Podcast.